Good. Well, good morning. You guys doing good? All right. Well, I trust that you're encountering the Lord and, uh, and having a good time this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3. We, we looked at that a couple weeks ago. I want to go back to 2 Timothy 3. Quick, uh, you, you guys know who Rosie is? She serves in our kids and our preschool, discipling our, our preschool. How's, how's it feel being up here? Just messing. <laughs> no, anyways, if you guys don't know Rose, she she's leads our preschool. And sometimes, you know, she's in the back maybe a little bit more often than, than she needs to be. And if you want to serve and help with the kids this summer, let us know. We'll get you plugged in. But uh, thank you, Rosie, for serving and many others who are serving. I think my wife's back there today. Um, but uh, so this week, my wife and I went to convention. Real quick update, and then we'll get into the word. Okay, so my wife and I went to Foursquare Convention. Foursquare is our denominational family. I think of it as our tribe, our family. I don't think of it just like in some organizational way uh, or in some, I don't know, divisive way. We love all of God's people and all God's churches. But uh, we got to go there. My wife and I went without our kids. Thank you, John Paul Nancy. And um, it was just really good for us to re- refresh, connect. We, we connected with a lot, by the way, a lot of pastors and missionaries that have come out of this church. Many of you would not know. Yeah, I mean, some of you know. Yeah, Gina's over there like, oh, I know, I've been around forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some of you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, we saw, I mean, I don't even, I can't name names. I don't know. I, I, there's too many to name. We just saw a lot of people that have come out of our church, got to connect with them. We also heard the vision and the strategy of where Foursquare is going. It's powerful how God is refining and refocusing and doing a lot of good stuff in our family. From the leadership, and um, I'll probably be sharing some of those things. In fact, when we have time, I'll share some of the people who have come out of this church, and I'll share some of the stuff that the God is doing in our denominational family. It's just powerful. It's good stuff. And I w- Michelle made this is Michelle's comment was, "It's great that they're going where we're going." <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it quite like that, but it is exciting to know that the heart of our denomination, how it started. And the passion that's in us as a church and the vision God has given us, our denomination is moving in that direction, multiplying disciples and churches. That's our, our passion. But the best thing that happened was that on the airplane there, my wife and I, without three kids, uh, somebody said to us, are you guys newlyweds? Ooh, yeah. Come on. Isn't that like a testimony or something? Come on, I mean, I was, I, and somebody said you should have lied and said yes. What? No, I'm taking the credit. No, I mean, it was all the Lord. But, you know, I'm thinking, I got three kids we married almost 12 years. I'm taking the credit that we, they think we're newlyweds, you know? They said that because we look young, but also because, well, we were being appropriate in the plane. But we were just, I think we were just happy to be together, you know what I'm saying? It was just good stuff. So we had a good time uh, uh, just connecting with people and with the Lord. And like I said, I'll share some more things that the Lord's doing. Good stuff. All right. So we're in this series, as you guys know, called They Will All Be Taught by God. It's a, it's a promise that Jesus made in reference to Isaiah 54. Okay? And I won't go into all that because I've preached on it. But what we've been learning in the last couple of weeks is that if we are going to steward the kingdom, if we're going to steward all the things that Jesus has given us as his people, he has called us to... to Make disciples. He's called us to manage the things that he's given us, like marriage or your kids or a stewardship given to you. We've been talking about this, that everything the Lord has given to us is a gift, and we need to steward it for his glory, whether it's relationships or finances or our time. We need to steward it. But what the Lord uh, had us do is kind of, if you will, put a pause on this series on stewardship because the Lord was reminding me, You need to teach my people and remind my people that they can and need to hear my voice. That one of the keys to stewarding the things that God has given you, to know how, even just, you might be thinking of it more like, yeah, how do I I manage my finances? Or how do I make decisions? How do I know what my calling is? Or this, what do I do, you know, to make decisions? We all need direction. We all need provision. And you're thinking, well, where does that come from? It comes from the voice of the Lord. We need to learn how to be led by the Spirit. And the promise of the Lord is, you can be. See, this series isn't just 
how to hear God's voice, although I am going to be talking about that today. It's more than that. This series is a, pro- is a prophetic promise to you. These last couple of weeks that I've been teaching on this, and if you've missed that, you can get it on the podcast. And these next couple of weeks, we're going to be finishing up you know, just a few more weeks of talking about this. It's not just that, hey, you know, this is a good sermon series or something. No, this is more than that. This is a prophetic word to you that God is saying, you, the they in the scripture, when Jesus says they will all be taught by the Lord, is you. It's you who have put your trust in Jesus. It's you who have the spirit of God living inside of you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If you belong to Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, then you are his and he wants to and he has promised to lead you by his spirit. Amen? Okay, that was weak. Come on now. Thank you. So, and if you don't know the Lord, if you've not put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that. And that it all begins, that relationship with God and that hearing his voice and seeing God's blessing come in your life as well as the eternal life, that all starts by just putting your trust in the Lord as your Lord and your Savior. But for those of us who have put our trust in him, who belong to Jesus, he has promised you will be led by his spirit. You will be taught by God. And so that's what that's, this series is about, that God wants you to know that he created you and designed you and saved you for a personal and intimate relationship with him. And he wants to talk with you face-to-face as friends do. He wants to have a father-child relationship with you where he can encourage you and even correct you. This is who God is. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not hard-hearted. But he's near to you, and he wants to lead you. Amen? Okay. So, Father, I pray... As, I, as we get into the word, that you would teach us how to be taught by you. You promised it, but Lord, we want to receive this promise into our life. And so I pray that you would help my friends here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to hear your voice, to, to, to receive from your word. And I pray, Father, they would be taught by the Lord, that they would be taught by you. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. We looked at this a few weeks ago. I'm going to come back to it right now. Paul, the Apostle Paul says this, and he's talking to Timothy, who's a pastor. So some of this is actually instruction to a pastor, me, but by implication, he's telling Timothy then how he instructs others, right? So it, the, the letter is to a pastor of how a pastor is supposed to pastor. There you go. So it's very important stuff here. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me, uh, we're going to read a little bit more, but let's stop there. Paul's saying all scripture, all scripture, all that is written is what we call the Bible, but that the word Bible comes from the Latin and is not used in the text of scripture. Scripture means that which is written, that which the Holy Spirit wrote through people. That's what the word inspiration means here. It means God breathed. And Paul is teaching a doctrine that you see all throughout the Bible, but it, this is a very important verse on this, that the scriptures, that which is written when you read your Bible, that it's not like any other book. It's not a fiction book. It's not a novel. It's not a science textbook. It's not some the philosophies of some person. It is God's word to us. Amen? That it is the scripture means that which is written, that the Holy Spirit spoke or wrote through human beings. That's what it means when the word inspiration in the Greek, it's theonoustos, or God breathed. It's referring to the Spirit writing through people. And notice what he says here. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And is profitable. Profitable for who? Everybody. Profitable for who? For the original hearers? Profitable for Abraham, Moses, profitable for Timothy, who Paul's writing to right now, profitable for who? 
Because the Bible's not relevant to you and me because we live in this modern culture and we 2,000 years, this thing stuff's ancient and old. And, 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 and you, know, you know, the Bible's written in a particular culture, so you, you know, it's not relevant to us anymore. You, hey, you know, you've got to understand the background and the culture. And, and you got, people say all these things. They don't often, will, they won't come out and say the Bible's not relevant, but they'll imply that. Right? They'll say, oh, well, you know, with that portion of Scripture, Rich, you've you got to understand You've got to understand the background of that. See, that, does, that verse doesn't apply to you because that was written to somebody else. Oh, oh, really? Really, really, really? The Bible's not relevant to us? Oh, really? The Bible's not written to us? Oh, it's not. It's not? Then why would Paul say all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable? Woohoo! Not them, right? Who's he talking about? Us. Yes? Because God wrote the Bible through people, and yes, the Bible does have a historical particularity to it. Because the Bible was written by God's Spirit, the Bible has an eternal relevance to it. The Scriptures are for you, for me. Amen? When it says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for, profitable for what? Profitable for doctrine, Doctrine means truth, reality. Who is God? Who am I? How did things begin? How is it going to end? What, what am I living in right now? Why is there suffering? Why is there sin? Where did sin come from? How is God going to redeem it? Or ha- how he has and will redeem it? Doctrine is truth, reality, right? For reproof, for correction, correcting, instructing people, exhorting them, calling them to action, correcting behaviors, and then notice instruction in righteousness, right? Instructing people, this is the right way to go, this is the wrong way to go. Paul is saying that the Bible, the scriptures, are profitable. Loan with me? It's profitable for you. It's profitable for me. It's profitable for the one who reads it. For the one who studies it. So that Paul says that, verse 17, meaning the result of, of receiving this instruction, that, or it's the purpose, the intended result, that the man of God, which would include women, the man, the woman of God, would be complete, whole, complete. God would finish his work in us, Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And see, so the calling that God has for you, the purpose that God has for you, the very building blocks for you to become the man or the woman of God that God called you to be, the very building blocks for you to become whole on the inside, free from demonic lies, filled with the Spirit, empowered for your calling and to fulfill your calling, the, build, the very building blocks are right there in the Word of God, the Scriptures. I love it in Romans 15, Paul says this, whatever things were were written in the past, he says, for whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Whatever things were written before, he's talking about scripture, whatever things were written, by the way, that word written is the verb for scripture, scripture is the noun. He says, whatever things were written, were written for whose learning? Right? It's not multiple choice tests. Pretty straightforward, right? It was written for whose learning? Our learning. So here's the deal. I always tell people, the event in the Bible, it happened for their sake. But why was it written? For us. See, see, Abraham had an encounter with God. Praise God for Abraham. Moses had an encounter with God. Israel had stuff received from God, promises and and commandments and stuff like that, right? Even, in fact, even the Apostle Paul is writing the letter to Timothy or writing this letter to the Romans. But guess what? The Roman church, the church at Rome was a real church. These things were real historical events. These people were real historical people. This stuff really happened, right? This stuff really happened. God really said these things. He really made these promises. There really were prophets. There really were kings. And they had a relationship with God. Abraham had a relationship with God. Paul had a relationship with God. The, the church at Rome... They, they were a real church and they had some issues and some needs. And so Paul would write these letters to them or the prophets like Isaiah would prophesy to the Israelites. Okay, that's great for them. Those events happened for them. 
Abraham had a relationship with God for him. Praise God. But why was it written? Paul says, all that was written was written by the Spirit for you. For you to receive instruction. For your faith to be built. Romans 10, 7. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That it was written for your sake. For your learning. For my learning. So that I could be corrected by God. So that I could be instructed by God. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? This is the number one way that God speaks to us. The scriptures, the word of God. See, we'll talk through a number of ways that the God speaks to us. The Lord speaks through the, the scriptures. The Lord speaks, his spirit will speak through the word of God, personalizing and applying it. The Lord will also speak directly to us, his spirit, directly to our spirits. It's called the witness of the spirit in the Bible. The Lord will speak even uh, in a number of other ways, like dreams and visions and, and such, that, that are important, and even prophetic words and such, and dreams and visions, but those things need to be confirmed by the witness of the Spirit, and more importantly, by the written Word of God. This is the number one way that God speaks to His people, and this is what I want to focus on today, that God speaks to us through His Word. That the, that the Bible, the Scriptures, is the Word of God. Now think about that. If you really believe that you were a child of God, that His Spirit is in you, the same Spirit that wrote the Bible is living inside of you. And you really believe that the Father loves you like He loves Jesus. He loves you like a father loves a son or a daughter. You really believe that God is real, not a fairy tale, not a myth. And you really believe that the Bible is God's word, his word. Then every time you open the Bible, wouldn't you have some sort of an expectation or desire or hunger that you're receiving something from God? I don't, why do we disconnect these things? Why do we open the Bible, or why do we hear a, a, a preaching from the Word, but not think we're hearing from the Lord right now? And I know sometimes that word hear can, can get us stumbled, right? We go like, well, I didn't hear his voice. Let's just use the phrase that Jesus said, they will all be taught by the Lord. Why don't we realize that when we're reading the Bible, we are being taught by the Lord? There's often a disconnect in our hearts, isn't there? See, sometimes in our culture, in our individualistic culture, or in our Western culture, we've become so led by feelings that we've actually defined the Holy Spirit as a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. He's not an it. He's not enthusiasm or excitement. Now, he may manifest in those ways, right? Have you ever, some of, many, many of you have felt the presence of the Lord. You have felt the Holy Spirit move on you in such a way that, oh boy, that's some fun stuff. But never, never confuse the feeling as if the feeling is the Spirit. No, the, the, the feeling is, is from the Lord. You know, you might feel joy or something. It's a fruit of the Spirit and, and and, and, and manifestation of his presence, but the Holy Spirit is God, right? The Spirit of truth. He is a he, not an it. And he's living inside of us. And he wrote the Bible and he wants to reveal the scriptures to us. Being led by the Spirit, being a man or a woman, who is taught by the Lord, does not mean being led by your feelings, does not mean you become the decider of what you think God might be saying to you. It means submitting to the truth of the word of God that is right there written for us. Most of what you and I need to hear from God is rock solid, concrete, black and white, written for us right there. Boom. Not to say that it, the application of it's not 
complicated or dynamic. But to say that so often much of the Bible is so very straightforward. And though asking questions is good, and searching and studying is good, when we see some things that are clear in the Bible, to then second guess, or to live our life as if we have now received the manual, the operating manual for how we're to live, and yet then to to second guess is really foolishness, isn't it? Imagine that I become a franchise owner of a McDonald's. Not that I ever would, because I couldn't... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But let's just say, okay? So I become a franchise owner of McDonald's, okay? I might own that store if you're a franchise owner, or maybe I'm like a corporate... You know, I don't know if they have some corporate stores, but I'm the manager of that corporate one. The owner decides how things are going to run, what food is there, what colors, what logos, right? The owner decides as a franchise or as a manager, you're simply coming along and and taking what they've said to do and working really hard to make it happen. I mean, as a manager of a store, you still got to do the sales and get the good employees and, and work really hard. You're stewarding, and if you're a great manager, you get blessed, right? And that's some of the spiritual truths that we've been learning. If you steward what God has given you, then you'll see the blessing of God in your life and he'll be glorified. But we've got to understand that he's the owner, we're the manager. Now, if I've got an operating manual for how to run this McDonald's, but then like every two seconds, I'm calling up the owner of the McDonald's or whatever representative they give me, right? And I keep saying, hey, you know what I was thinking that like blue and gold would make like a really good color scheme for our McDonald's. I mean, right? Hey, and you know what I was thinking? I was thinking like, let's go with like noodles. And I mean, that might work in like Thailand or something like that. You know, McDonald's with some noodles. But in America, probably not going to work, right? So I, I've got some other ideas. You know what they're, I mean, come on. You know what they're going to say? Did you, did you read the manual? Did you do the training course? Do you, do, do you know who you're talking to, right? You know, I'm just thinking that red and that gold thing. I don't think we should do the arches anymore. I think we should go with like a big D instead of a big M. I mean, do you, th- do you really think that's going to fly? It's not going to fly, right? It's not going to fly. And what they're going to say is, did, did you read the manual? Did you read the manual? Some things are just black and white, clear cut, yes? Why, why is it that, and again, and I am saying this about some, of peop- some, some in this church. This is a bit of a corrective word, although mostly I'm just more trying to exhort us. But why is it that we think that, well, I'm spirit-led. We're spirit-led. And why do we think that that means that somehow we can like say, well, I heard God, and have it contradict the written word and think that that's okay? It's not okay. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to find loopholes in the Bible, compromise the Bible, or contradict the Bible. He will not do that. Now, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is lead you into application and how to apply that and how to personalize it to your life. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with these things. But so much of what you need to know about your life, about the will of God for you, about instruction in righteousness, how to think correctly, doctrine, reality, who is God, who are you, so much of what you need is right there in the word. God is waiting for you to go and search it out. Yeah? He is. I remember being a new Christian, a new believer, and see, for me growing up, I I just thought, you know, God was distant, far away, hated me. I I didn't understand the cross. I knew that Jesus died. I didn't know why he died or that he died for me. And when I heard the gospel at age 16, and I understood that he loves me, that he died for me because he wants a relationship with me. It took me hours and hours and days and days for somebody to prove that to me from the word of God, but faith awakened in my heart. Oh, man, you love me that much. I told the Lord, you're worth living for. And I had a lot of junk in me. I still do, a lot of brokenness that needed to be worked out, a lot of, lot of lies and such. 
But I'm so grateful that one of the first things I understood was that he loves me and knows me and understands me. See, I remember what it was like, and, and whether you have this sense or not, it's not the point. This is my story. But like, I knew what it was like to not have the Holy Spirit in me. For there to be an idea of God. I had read most of the Bible, probably all of it, before I was saved. I had studied. I had researched. I, had, I was a skeptic. So I knew I'd been to church. I knew what it was like to have God be like a cardboard cutout on a wall that you talk about. And then to put my trust in Jesus, like the Bible says to do. And for the spirit of the living God to come on the inside of me and for me to become a born again, which I didn't know that's what happened. I read the Bible now and I say, oh, hey, that's what happened to me. But for that to happen to me, and all of a sudden now I'm talking to God and he's like a dad who loves me and knows me and I sense his presence. Not that it was always feelings. And not that I always felt like that. I'm not, not like I have this uninterrupted connection with God or something. And I still had a lot of brokenness in me. But to have that as like this initial understanding, I'm so grateful for that. Because what happened was the, that night when I came to Jesus, I went back home and I opened my Bible to the book of Romans and begin to read who I am in Christ. And I, I had read the Bible before. And all of a sudden, now it's coming alive. Now I'm understanding why, because that veil had been rented, I'd been born again, the Spirit's in me. And all of a sudden, God's teaching me. Now look, it wasn't like I had these amazing feelings or I'm hearing audible voice or anything. But as I'm reading the Word, all of a sudden, there's a light that's shining. And I'm seeing that this isn't just some concept. This is reality, and it's true for me that now, oh, I'm dead to sin and alive to God. I didn't understand all of it back then, but oh, he loves me, and I'm justified, and I'm right with God. And all of a sudden, I'm understanding these things are for me. It's what the Bible calls revelation, that unveiling. And I didn't know back then, but I began to pick up on it after a couple months of being a Christ follower, that as I was reading the Bible, he was teaching me. I was getting principles like Romans 12 that says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind. That was huge. Here I am, a 16-year-old, bound in sin, totally conditioned to think the way the world thinks, love the things that the world loves. And, and I come across that verse, I got riled up. I got riled up. Like, man, I ain't going to be conformed to this world anymore. I was mad. I'm going to, man, and I... All of a sudden, the Lord's showing me, you need to think the way I think, right? And I'm coming across Ephesians chapter 4, walk worthy of the calling. And I'm realizing, oh, awesome, I don't have to earn God's forgiveness. I am forgiven, but I can walk worthy. And the Lord's showing me these things. Listen, the Lord was teaching me those things. And I, I praise God for mentors in my life that I could bounce that off of, like, hey, this is what I'm seeing in the word of God. Is this, am I on the right track? Absolutely. But the Lord was teaching me those things. I didn't hear an audible voice. What I believed was that what I'm reading is God's word. So therefore, when I'm reading it, if I rightly divide the word of truth, like the Bible says, if I rightly interpret it, I'm hearing God. See, I want you to have that kind of confidence. And if you don't know that the Bible is the word of God, like you don't understand, well, where do we get the books of the Bible and how do we really know it's inspired? Is there evidence that there's inspiration? Oh, there is. And we teach a lot of that in level three of OSL in our discipleship classes. Or you can come ask me if you're like, well, I haven't, I'm not going to make it to level three. I'm not even a believer yet. I'm just kind of wondering, how do you guys know the Bible's true? I would love to talk with you about it. I teach classes on this all the time. I'm convinced the book that we're reading, the Bible. Or, oh, but I don't know Greek and Hebrew, and so how can I really rightly interpret it? Oh, I'll help you with that one. Greek and Hebrew is good, but words only have meaning in their context. You can read the Bible in an English translation and just see clearly. So much of this is not complicated. Now, there might be some doctrinal things that might become complicated. And, and oh, believe me, many of us, we go off and we research those things. I do. And so you can come with your complicated questions of some doctrine. That's okay. Those are good things. But I'm saying you, you can sit down and you can read the Bible and you can can look at it in its context and read and understand and know the Lord speaking to you. 
What I mean is it's not very complicated. I remember when I was a new Christian, you know, maybe like 18 or something, and like every day I read the Bible, I was convicted about my speech. Like every single stinking day. I mean, like, I'd open the Bible, I'd read some Proverbs in the morning, I'd read some New Testament or something in the after, or the evening, and I'd do study a little bit of the Bible, like late at night, you know, you know, in the prophets or something like that. I'm reading the Bible, you know, every day, just I'm in the Word, and I'm praying, and I'm worshiping, and like every day, I'd come across a verse that had to do with my speech. Now, here's the deal. It's always there. But there are times where the Holy Spirit illuminates certain things to point out some things. I praise God that when I read the Bible, I'm not always convicted about my speech anymore as much. It means I've grown a little. But you come across a verse like in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 where it says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, only that which is beneficial for others. Look, you don't, it's not that complicated. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I think we need the work of the Holy Spirit to get honest with ourselves, and we need the work of the Holy Spirit to know how I'm going to actually apply that. But look, it's not very complicated. Don't say anything that doesn't benefit others, that doesn't add to them. Oh, boy, was I convicted, right? Like, you don't need a sermon for that. You don't. We, now, praise God for preachers and such, because that's one of the ways that you can hear the word of the Lord through the preaching of the word. But if you'll come to the Bible, you don't have to say, okay, God, are you talking to me about my speech? You don't have to say, well, I read this verse. It's telling me that I should only say things that are beneficial, and I recognize that I, don't, I'm not, I say a lot of mean things to people, but I don't know if God's really speaking to me about this or not. I'm not really sure. I'm going to wait on the Lord on this one. Dude, it's not that complicated. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's really not that complicated. What I'm saying is, for me, when I open the Bible and I'm hanging out with Daddy, and I, and I see a verse like that, I think, oh. And by the way, that is the Holy Spirit illuminating it to me. You may not realize it, but it is. And all of a sudden you go, Oh, Dad, I, I, I need to work on that. And you talk to your dad, and you say, Dad, okay, so you're saying in the Bible, no unwholesome talk. I got issues here. I need your help on this. And then you start dialoguing with the Lord. And verse after verse after verse, he's telling you he's working on your language and your speech and what you say and what you don't say, and don't say that, and don't say it that way, and be more gentle. And See, the Lord wants us to understand there are things in the Bible that we don't need to guess is what I'm trying to say. There are things that are so black and white, like let your yes be yes and caring for the poor. You know, I think it is kind of funny sometimes, like, well, I saw this person over here and I just, I wasn't, sh-, you know, I felt, I felt this compassion, like to go share Jesus with them, maybe give them some food or something. And I, but I wasn't sure if it was God or not. I wasn't really sure. I, I understand. We all struggle with that. But come on now. So let's see the options. It was your flesh it was the devil, or it was God. Do you, you, think, you think that in your selfishness you want to go and help that person, or the devil's trying to prompt you to go share Jesus with that person? No, right? No, no. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder. You've been in the Word. You've been learning about caring for the poor. There's a poor person right over there. Jesus said, you know, good Samaritan, whole thing, stop for the one. And you see somebody over there, and I don't know if it's God. Why don't you just go for it and find out, right? Like, you don't need to guess is what I mean. It's so clear-cut. It's so obvious on so many of these things. Now, I'm not saying you can't. Some of it's tough, you know, like, how far do you really take helping this person? What does that really look like to help that person? Sure, you, start at, you, gotta, you need some leading of the Holy Spirit on some of those things. But I'm just saying that to love our enemy, to forgive people who have wronged us, let our yes be yes and keep our promises and keep our covenants of marriage. It's not complicated. Does that make sense? It's not complicated. And that's my authority. And by the way, that's your authority. Not to tear anyone down or to control anyone, but that is our authority that there are things that are black and white. 
That's why when a person comes to me years and years and years ago before I was a senior pastor and said to me, yeah, you know, I, I separated from my wife and, and there's just a peace about it and we just think it's the Lord. And I said, it's not God. Why do I get to say things like that? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Because we live in such an individualistic, feeling-driven culture. We think, you can't judge me. Well, actually, no, I, I, I can If you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and he has told us the truth in his word, well, then actually, yes, you're not obeying Jesus. Well, who gives you the right to say that? Because he said that. Like, most of the things in the Bible are so clear. Now, it doesn't give me the right to be mean or anything, right? It doesn't give me the right to judge because the the same is true for grace, right? Where sin abounds grace all the more. And that God brings healing and brings redemption and and where we've sinned, he redeems us and restores us. So, so that's a true, it's true the same thing with some church that's just judging people and saying, well, you've sinned, so you don't have a calling anymore. No, that's not from God either, right? So I'm not, I'm not trying to focus in on one issue. But what I'm saying is you can read the Bible, and when it says that you're forgiven, you don't have to guess. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't be like, hmm, I wonder, am I forgiven? Well, the Bible says if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you're saved. And if you have sin and you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you of all righteousness. But I'm not sure if I'm saved. Stop wondering. And believe that if it's written, it's for you. Done. And if you have questions, please search them out. Please ask the questions. Yes. But there are lies that many of us are believing about God. There are lies we're believing about ourselves. And the Bible addresses those things. And you don't need to guess about them. Is he good? Does he want to bless you? Like it's not complicated. It's right there in the word. But listen, one false doctrine, one lie about, well, maybe he doesn't really love you. Or maybe he doesn't forgive you. Or one lie that maybe God's just like a little, he's just trying to jerk you around. One little lie, which that's a big one, by the way, but one little lie that undermines your faith that the Bible is the written word of God, one little lie is like poke a hole in the bottom of a bathtub, it will drain all out, right? And many times, we don't have faith in what the word says, or there's certain accusations or philosophies in our culture that undercut this, And we don't approach the word of God with the kind of faith and confidence and humility and hunger and expectation that I'm a child of God. I'm a sheep of Jesus the shepherd and he's going to teach me as I open the word or listen to a sermon or something. The number one way God teaches us is through the word. You don't have to have a Bible college degree or a seminary degree or no Greek and Hebrew but he has given us the written word for a reason. And you can be taught by the Lord. You can be taught by the Lord. See, this is why in my life, though so much of this is guided by the Holy Spirit and illuminated by the Holy Spirit, but so much of me, just for me, not because I'm a pastor, although it really helps as a pastor, that's why I just consume the word of God. And for so many years of my life, and I still do this on a number of things, but for so many years of my life, God, what does your word say about giving? Or what does your word say about marriage? Or what does your word say about my words? Or what does your word say about this? I have searched the scriptures and searched them and searched them. Why? I want to know your will, God. I want to know what pleases you. And if you've already told me, why do I need to, what pleases you, Lord, and just, Right? Much of, much of what we need to hear from God, he wants to speak right from the word. Right from the word. <clears throat> the, uh, let me show you something of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. This is going to be my, my encouragement to you. Practically speaking, in Proverbs chapter 2, in verse 1, it says this. My son, right? My son, my daughter, my child. He says, my son, if you receive my words, treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, 
Lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, listen what happens. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Why? For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. See, if you want to hear the Lord, if you want to hear the Lord, you want, you want the Holy Spirit to illuminate things to you, apply it to you, you want to have more of that encounter of his voice, you need to give yourself to the written word. Because watch what happens here. He's saying, if you will treasure my commands, if you'll incline your ear to wisdom, that, that means really listen and pay attention. That means with hunger and desire, you're going to come and listen to the word when it's being preached or when you open the Bible, you're saying, Lord, I, I want to hear from you. I'm inclining my ear to listen to you. You know, many times I ask my kids to do something and they heard my voice, but they didn't incline their ear to me, right? You know, hey, I thought I told you to brush your teeth. Oh, I didn't hear you. Oh, I'm sure they heard. Right? But they didn't incline their ear to me. God is speaking. But are you listening? If, you don't, if you're not a person that treasures this, notice, apply your heart to understand. I won't get into all the details here. Listen to verse 3. Cry out for discernment. One of the best things you could do is every day, God, I ask for your wisdom. Lord, speak to me. I open my heart to you. Lead me and guide me by your spirit. As you open the word, as you listen to sermons or meditate on various portions of scripture, as you press into the word of God, God, I'm opening myself to you, leading me and guiding me by your spirit. Crying out for discernment. Seeking her as silver. If you really believe that the God who knew everything about everything has given you instruction right there in the word of God, would you not search it out? If you believe that wisdom was better than silver and gold, would you not search out wisdom in the word of God? But you might buy books that the only value in those books is that they copied something from the Bible. I love books. It's good. They can help you to understand the Bible or truths in the Bible. There's a lot of good wisdom out there. But listen, they're marketing. And sometimes we need this. But listen, sometimes these books you're buying, they just stole the truth from the Bible. You realize if you just knew how to go, right, go after God and go after the word, you'd get it right from the, I was going to say the horse's mouth, but that's not a good way to talk about God, right? You get it right from the source, right from the source. But do you believe that God really loves you? His spirit is in you, wants a relationship with you, that the Bible is the word of God and wants to speak to you. This is what it's saying. Do you cry out for wisdom? You might say, but David, I don't hear God. Okay, do you cry out? Well, I prayed about it. No, no, do you cry out? Do you say, God, I need you. I don't have the ability. I don't have the wisdom. I need you in this situation. Do you search? You say, God, I want a blessed marriage. Do you search out the wisdom in the word of God? Are you like, oh, I know that there's an answer for my marriage in this book. I know there's a strategy. I know there's a key. I know there's breakthrough in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's right there in the book. He's hiding treasure for me to find it. Do you really believe it's there? Because if you believed it, you'd go after it. You'd be searching the word of God. You'd be calling friends up on the phone. Hey, what do, hey, what, what do I do? Give me wisdom from the word of God, right? You'd be saying, God, show me, teach me. I'll tell you, people who are like that, they hear God. Because notice what it says. It's when you're in that kind of position of crying out and searching and studying and inclining your ear. When you come on a Sunday morning or you're listening to a podcast where you say, okay, God, this is not just a sermon. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. I open my heart. Lord, speak to me. And you come with expectation that God's going to speak to you. When you have that kind of attitude, it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And remember that the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The more word that comes in your heart, the more you learn to fear the Lord. What is that? To please him, to live in his ways, to see things as he sees them. And then it says this, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. You want the Holy Spirit to then say, now this is the way to walk. Here's direction for your life. You want the Lord to then say, yes, do it this way. It comes when you're searching out the word of God, you find the fear of the Lord, and it's God who gives you the wisdom. 
It's God who releases those things. We need to give ourselves to the word of God because the Lord wants to teach us. We need to come with this kind of hunger. See, what I'm trying to say, this is why I study the word. This is why I listen to messages. I'm not being religious. I'm being disciplined so that my faith will grow. See, I know that if I'm going to hear the Lord, I need to get myself into an atmosphere of faith. So often we're so worried about making the right decision. God, I need you to speak to me about this. And that anxiety, that worry is not positioning your heart in faith. The way to wait on the Lord is to search the scriptures or to get yourself in an atmosphere of faith, like in community where you're worshiping the Lord and you're hearing the word preached. You know, maybe it's for you. It's getting away and being alone and going on a hike and meditating on the word and just talking to the Lord. And there you'll get some clarity. Maybe for another person, it's in that midst of worship. I'll tell you, for me, it's all of those things. There are times where I need to get myself into a place, an atmosphere of faith, where we're just worshiping the Lord and hearing the word, and it's in that place, I'll hear God. I'll hear God. Other times, after being at a conference or a convention like I was at last week, man, I'm an introvert. I need, to go, I need some quiet. I need to just go and just sit with the Lord and just kind of process some things. Or I just need to sit and read my Bible for a little while. And just kind of allow the Lord to either speak or confirm some things. It's not one way is my point. It's not just one way. But the principles are always the same. That we need to get ourselves into a place where we're seeking after God's wisdom in his word. And allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I'm going to get more specific on how is it then that the Holy Spirit illuminates things or personalizes things. How is it that he'll take from the word of God and apply it to you? Oh yeah, there's some great examples. There's some great stories. There's some great truths I can give you later. But the point today is that if you and I are going to be taught by the Lord, we need to go after the word. We need to go after the word. Amen? I remember one time, this is one of the ways, let me finish with this story. I remember one time with how the, Lord, how the Holy Spirit speaks through, sometimes speaks through people or through a message or um, speaks through the word directly to, to us. But I remember one time a couple years ago that I was led by the Holy Spirit, as I often am, in terms of what I was teaching on a Sunday morning. And I remember for a whole season we were teaching on the series called was called A Family on Mission. And some of you guys maybe even remember that series. And we talked about principles of healthy relationship, like reconciliation and forgiveness, like how to walk in unity, how to speak the truth in love. And what was so interesting is I was doing that series out of obedience to the Lord and what I sensed from the Holy Spirit. I did not know what was going on in our church at that season. I didn't know that people were hurting each other. There there was a couple of relationships where people had hurt each other. I didn't know that a couple months later, some hurt would be there. I didn't know that there was somebody struggling with whether or not to keep their, their marriage covenant. I didn't know those things. But guess who did know those things? The Holy Spirit. See, as a pastor, I don't know everything. I try to love people. I try to care for people. When issues come up, I try to deal with it. But let me tell you, isn't it kind of funny that we went through, and some of you, like I said, you know the story, that there was, there's, there was some conflict, there was some hurt, there was people who didn't make the right choices on some things. Many people, as we addressed the issues of reconciliation, reconciled and chose to forgive. But isn't it funny how for two, three months, I'm talking about these principles of healthy relationships before I even knew that they would be applicable. Now think about that for a second. If it's the word of God, and if the Holy Spirit was speaking through me, then what was God giving to the people? To you. He was giving people the answers for that problem, those problems. But not everybody heard, did they? Many heard, and some had eyes to see but did not see ears to hear but did not hear i always find it so interesting that's just one example of many isn't it 
And so that's my challenge to you. Are you searching out the Word of God? But then when you are, when you're reading the Bible or something, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are you opening your heart to the Lord? Don't miss. Don't miss that moment with God. He wants to speak to you. Amen? All right, let's respond. Kurt, come on and respond here. Stand with Kurt here, and and he'll lead us in response. All right, so... Sometimes when I hear a message, I, uh, I understand it pretty well, and I just need to say, Lord, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so if that's you this morning, um, you could ask, Lord, help me understand this better. You can ask, Father, give me grace to do this, and that's all good. Um, but I think we, it was pretty clear. <laughs> so, um, but I do feel to encourage you guys. I do that. I, every time I've ever stopped reading my Bible for a season and then got back into it, like the day I started, like, the Lord would give me some big, like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like the Lord has things for some of you this week. And I almost had a picture of it. It was, like, hanging over your guys' head. But it wasn't going to drop in your brain unless you open the word and open yourself up to receive from the Lord. So it's really up to you. So I'm not going to make you do this. And actually, um, uh, we're going to do this sort of quietly because I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm going to try to yell louder than the next person for this. Because honestly, you need to just commit. Lord, I'm going to commit to um, I'm going to commit to get into your word and let you lead me. And it's your decision. And then you can go to say, Lord, how do I do this? I try to read my Bible. You know, there's a whole how, um, but again, it's not complicated. So if just close your eyes with me, and um, if you mean this, you can say it out loud. You can say it quietly, but um, say it to the Lord and know that when you commit something to the Lord, He'll hold you to it and He'll help you do it. <laughs> so um, you. You can pray in agreement with me, but you don't have to say my exact words. But, uh, Father, <laughs> I commit. I commit to read your word. I commit to sit at your feet. I commit to hear you. And, Lord, I receive. I receive the word today. And I thank you for your word. I thank you that you don't leave me as an orphan. I thank you, Lord, that you actually are committed to guide me. That you love me. That you care for me. That you haven't left me alone. But you care about every detail of my life. So, Father, forgive me where I've neglected. And I thank you that you forgive. And you want to just keep on guiding me. So, Lord, I commit to go down this path with you. Thank you, Father, in your name. So again, I want to encourage you, if you prayed that, the Lord is committed. Uh, I do want to invite the